You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Hello, everyone. My name is Craig and I'm from Cross Culture. And uh, today we're continuing our PeaceWise series in resolving everyday conflict. Last week you heard about going to higher ground, that is going to God for forgiveness. And this week we'll be seeing how to get real about yourself. So before we hear uh, God's message, uh, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, please fill us with your spirit so that we hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and are transformed by them and obey them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Arguments. We all have them. Finding fault in another person. We all do it. Every week, maybe even every day. But how do we go about it? We say, you always do that. But that's because you do this. Well, last week you did the same thing. Well, you can talk. What about my birthday last year? You didn't even do this or get me blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I recognize that. (laughs) If we're willing to examine ourselves, we may see that we assume the worst in the other person. We accuse them of the smallest things as though they were great things. We We shape our arguments as though we're in a courtroom. We leave out everything that incriminates us and instead compile everything that puts the other person in the wrong. But Jesus shows us a transformative new way of how to approach our brothers and sisters when we see fault in them. The message today comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he shows us the new way, the new ethics of the kingdom of God. To counter our human inclinations of pride, defensiveness and accusation, he will show us how we can see ourselves clearly and how we can graciously speak the truth to help each other become the men and women that we were always meant to be. Firstly, Jesus exhorts us, do not condemn We hear Jesus speak on this in verses 1 and 2, where he says, Judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. It sounds like a simple command. Do not judge others or you will be judged as much as you judge them. But what does it mean? Is it a blanket prohibition against making any kind of judgment? Are we to ignore sin? Are we not to rebuke another for their wrongdoing? Jesus has already called the Pharisees, you brood of vipers. And he goes on to call different types of people hypocrites, dogs and pigs. So is Jesus contradicting himself? Is he contradicting himself when he commands people not to judge? Is he the hypocrite? 
we'll see that it helps us to distinguish between two types of judgment, condemnation and discernment. One is prohibited to us as God's people, and the other is commended as wise. We need discernment. Or how will we know the dogs, who the dogs and the pigs are who will trample what is precious and holy? Or how will we be able to distinguish between the false and the true prophets? We need discernment or how will we be able to remove the speck that we see in another's eye? Or how will we know God's will? The type of judgment that Jesus prohibits is not simply making a value call, but it's passing a harsh, adverse verdict on another, as though we ourselves had never sinned. He prohibits condemning others or likewise will be condemned for our sin. We simply don't have the authority, the righteousness or the wisdom to do it. Condemning another is an idolatrous subversion which sets ourselves in the place of God, who alone is the sovereign Lord, who alone is perfect in his moral character and judgments, and who alone has the insight to judge the righteous and the wicked. Judging another person as though we ourselves haven't sinned, as though we were God with his righteousness and wisdom, is like making ourselves out to be the judge. The judge presides in the courtroom to decide a matter between two disputing parties. And you're one of them. But then you step up, move the judge aside, and take his seat to sentence your opponent, all while discarding everything that incriminates yourself. Of course you're going to find fault in your opponent, and of course you're going to win the dispute, and the other person is going to be seen as the guilty party. It's presumptuous, and yet it happens every day. The present tense of the command, judge not, gives a sense of do not make a practice of judging, and warns us against being judgmental. For if you make a practice of judging and condemning others, you will be judged likewise, opening yourself up to harsh criticism from other people, and especially, in view here, strict judgment from God. It will make God's judgment of you and me terrible to endure, and yet fitting for the measure we've used. On the other hand, condemning others for their faults is a failure to exercise forgiveness as we've been forgiven for our greater sin. It's the exact inverse of what God calls his people to do. So whereas we'll be judged as we judge others, so we'll be forgiven as we forgive others. As Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
So to begin with, what can we take from this for our families and friendships? When you're with your spouse, your friend or an acquaintance, and they do something that really irritates you, when they hurt you, or when you see fault in them, when you're tempted to lash out and cut them down and accuse them, remember the grace that God has shown you and do not condemn them. Remember how God has been patient with you and your sin and your faults all your life. Jesus took the punishment for your sin and for mine, which is far worse than anyone can know. And so he declared you righteous in his sight. And as a result, God has forgiven you completely. He holds no condemnation against you anymore and you're on perfectly good terms with him. So in view of God's grace to you, be gracious, generous and gentle with your spouse, your friend and the people you relate with. Especially when their flaws are plain to see. So we've been exhorted not to judge others harshly or will be judged harshly. So then how can we approach others when there's a dispute? What do we say to someone when we perceive their fault? Are we to stay quiet and act like nothing's happened? Jesus shows us that we can't address another's fault with insight or discernment unless we first address our own sin. Jesus highlights the problem in verses 3 and 4. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? How can anyone remove a speck from someone's eye when there's a dirty great big beam of timber sticking out of your eye? You can't. It's absurd. Jesus is saying, why do you pick out the tiniest fault in others when you don't acknowledge your own greater problem? And how can you attempt to correct your brother's fault when you have a far greater problem which impedes you from doing so. The absurdity of the image demonstrates our pride and our presumption to pick out the smallest faults in others, while we remain blind and willfully ignorant of our own and far greater problem, which is most fundamentally our sin against God. It's like pointing out that someone's apple has a blemish on its skin and calling it a reject while you bite into your own brilliant red apple to find that it's rotted to the core. So the judgmental critic who sees himself as superior, if he examines himself, realizes the depth of his sin and is humbled. He realizes he's been applying a harsher standard of judgment to the other than he's been applying to himself. His sin 
and his self-deception about his sin has distorted his vision of himself and of the other person and has prevented him from having the insight and discernment necessary to correct the other with wisdom or integrity. So although God has forgiven us our sin, we still bear our sinful nature until Jesus returns to complete the restoration of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Our sin still affects the way we see ourselves and the way that we see other people, and we still bring our sinful nature into all our activities and disputes with others. So when you see fault in another, when you have a relational problem, let's humble ourselves. Humble yourself and before accusing someone or laying the blame on them, examine the sinful fault that you bring to the problem and confess your sin to God. This will give you the humility you need to approach the one you find fault in. And coming with the grace and humility of a forgiven sinner yourself will make it far more likely that they'll receive you and what you seek to tell them. So if we can't fix another person's tiny problem because our great sin is obscuring our discernment, then the implication is we need to do the opposite of our prideful tendency. We need to repent to see clearly. This comes from what Jesus says in verse 5. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. They're confronting words. The word you, you hypocrite was used to denote actors who played a part. Actors whose words were spoken for effect and not to convey truth. Hypocrites made a show of concern for others, but their real concern was to be seen to be wise, to be seen to be benevolent, and to establish a reputation of their own piety. And the word is appropriate here, where someone with a great fault condescends to help someone whose flaw is the most minor imaginable. In contrast, Jesus highlights the true priorities of the exchange. First, deal with your own log, your own sin in the matter, and then by removing this obstacle to clear-sightedness, you'll be able to help your brother and sister. A surgeon can only perform keyhole heart surgery if his videoscope is clear. If its vision is obstructed or compromised, then instead of unblocking a heart valve, he may well puncture an artery or flounder around in the dark. It's ridiculous, really. But with clear vision, he can operate with wisdom and skill and bring healing to a person's heart. Bring healing to a person's heart. So only with clear-sightedness that comes from repentance of sin can you help your brother or sister correct a fault or reconcile a disagreement. 
Do you see how admitting and addressing your own fault first is opposite to our own prideful tendency? Instead of judging another for sorry, instead of judging another person's fault and concealing our own sin, we must first confess our sin before we can address another's fault with clarity. And it's important to know that the speck of the problem should be removed. It should be removed. Though it's small, it does matter and it's good to give help. But we need the discernment that comes from repentance. So we can see the problem as it is and how to correct it. So what do we do? Let's not be like the hypocrites, making a show of another's flaw so that we might look good, highlighting another's mistake so that we might be seen to be in the right. Instead, let's repent of our sin faults so that we have the discernment we need to address the one we see fault in. So that when we have a dispute with our spouse or our children, our colleagues or an acquaintance, we can humbly and genuinely seek their good and the good of the relationship. Here's the thing. By removing any flaw or addressing any imperfection, no matter how small or how large, we help the other, we help one another in our sanctification. That is, we help one another in becoming like Christ. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So that's the goal of why we speak the truth in love, of why we admit our sin and address another's flaws, so that together we become who we were always intended to be, men and women fully like Christ. So in summary, because of Jesus' grace to us, we mustn't condemn another's faults while ignoring our own sin. Instead, in our disagreements, Let's confess and repent of our own sin first. Then we'll have the grace, the humility and discernment we need to help one another become mature like Christ. We can't do this on our own. We need God's power to transform our hearts and to enable us. We need this good news that Jesus took the guilt and shame of our sin on the cross and so provided us with complete grace and complete forgiveness for all our flaws and for all our sin. And the Father has given us his spirit so that we can do the same and provide one another as flawed people with complete grace and forgiveness for all our faults. We need the gospel of Jesus. We need his spirit. And the way the, the way the gospel and the spirit permeates our lives is by spending time with God in prayer. Letting his spirit and word transform our hearts 
our soul, our mind and strength. Let the gospel and the spirit penetrate your heart so that when someone does you wrong, as annoying or as grievous as that is, you no longer respond with harsh judgment and accusation. Let the gospel and the spirit fill you so deeply that when we address another's fault, we come with the same love, grace and humility that God has shown us for our grievous sin. That God has shown us. We can only do this by God's enabling. And thankfully, he gladly gives us his enabling power. So let's draw near to God in prayer each and every day so that we may be transformed. To build one another up in our relationships and to become fully like our Lord Jesus who gives us life. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, fill us with your spirit to live by your words, to not judge others harshly, but to relate with one another with the same grace, gentleness and forgiveness you've shown us. Give us the humility and courage we need to confess and repent of our sins so that we have the discernment we need to correct one another and build one another up to be fully mature like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.